Hi, it's Eric. Welcome to today's podcast, which was actually recorded yesterday. Uh, This is a long conversation, and as you might have heard yesterday in the prologue, I know music to start here. Um, This there is deep pathos here. Um, You may break down. Uh, Larry certainly did for the obvious reasons, Uh, but it's also quite uplifting and beautiful and hopeful. And yesterday was right now. Today was quite a day for me to uh, sit with uh, Noah's mom in the morning and then Larry that you're going to hear from now. Larry Schaefer, good to meet you. Good to meet you, Eric. Thank you for being here. I'm glad we could reschedule. Uh, Here to talk about Jake and Cooper's Bark Park. Um, I'm glad that uh, a good friend of mine, Doug Heinbaugh, has done a great job getting the word out. Uh, We're recording on May 18th. Where are things at the park right now? So right now, we are planning our grand leash cutting ceremony may 23rd okay. coming up this tuesday at six o'clock um, community's invited there will be food trucks there and we'll be cutting the leash and opening up and it will be jake and cooper's bark park did i see that uh the park won't fully be open till june or is that all is this right all- right now as far as you know they did some excavating and we're waiting for some decent grass to grow not everybody wants to take home a muddy dog sure and so once that starts growing and we get a good base and it'll probably be you know early june mid-june that um it will be open it will be a membership dog park like class city dog park correct um so the first six months or the first months leading up to december 31st of this year it'll be 25 dollars for two dogs um ten dollars for each additional dog and then after that, it will be $45 a year for the whole year of 2024. Um, with the membership, it just makes sure that everybody's dog is vaccinated, caught up on vaccines, and your, do- your dog will be safe because the other dogs are safe. Yeah. Um, I know the YMCA, I think they sold you the land for a buck. The Was that YMCA it? has leased the land to the city of Oregon Got it. for a buck a year for okay. 10 years with the right to renew. And then the city is allowing us to take this dog park and run with it. it it's a great opportunity for them. Um, I always tease Oregon. I never, I didn't ever go over there much because there was not, not much for me to do. There's no Target over there. Target's like the last thing. I heard you got a Planet Fitness. We got a Planet Fitness. Now there's a dog. Uh, Culver's. No Target, though. No Target. It's like the not last yet. thing you don't have. The Culver's is there. It's, it's like this booming metropolis and, and, and whatever. But uh, there was a dog park. Uh, so this is great to have. Yeah. The first dog park in Oregon. And really, the, I believe the first dog park in our community on east of the river. You'd have to go over to Middle Grounds, I guess, for the closest one, right? Yep. Middle Grounds or the Glass City. Um, is, uh, is, is, is it divided up into two sides, like one big yep. dog's little dog's? Yep. Um, small dog and large dog. The little dogs can go over and play with the sm- or big dogs, but big dogs cannot go over and play with the, the little dogs. And it, it is gated, so you'll walk into the main gate. You'll decide which park you're going to go into, the small or the large. You'll go through another gate unleash your dog and then unlatch the third gate so your dog never stands a chance of being out of the park unleashed great was that was glass city kind of a model for what glass city has been phenomenal great to us. great um they created the wheel and let us borrow it excellent um that's all the nuts and bolts uh this this is something uh positive that came out of a, a terrible negative the the worst thing that any parent could go through uh you lost your son uh jacob to an overdose yes um 
I have my sincere condolences Thank about you. that. And then there's something I found out about you that I'll bring up later and how that helped you with all this. He was 26 years old. Um, this was in August of 2021. Correct. Uh, Jake and Cooper. Cooper was his dog. You weren't even a dog lover, right? No, I, I no, we've always been dog lovers. Okay, all right. Um, I thought but, I might have read that in an article. No, but Sorry. we were taking a break from our dog. We Got just it. had to put a dog down earlier that year and thought, we'll take a break. Yeah. And then Jacob decided... I helped him decide. He thought he needed to come home to something. He had his own apartment rather than come home to an empty house or mm-hmm. apartment, especially for a recovering addict. It can be lonely, and that loneliness can make you do things you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And so he bought himself a Australian miniature shepherd puppy, Cooper. And my wife and I kept saying, Jacob, why don't you? There's so many that need to be adopted from the shelter. Why don't you go? Do, and his his comment was always. I'm not going to buy somebody else's bad behavior. Well, when Cooper would do something bad, my wife would say, did you pay for that? Right. <laughs> you know, but um, Cooper's a great dog. Um, let me connect it to now, if I may. I have a bipolar 2 diagnosis, and I got hammered the hardest by the depression. In 2012, worst personal and professional year of my life, I had moved from East Coast back out to Detroit for a job opportunity, and like eight weeks in, it was it was awful. It was awful. I didn't know what to do with myself. I, I just went to work, hated it, came home, dreaded the next day. Uh, in June, I stopped going to work. I used some some sick days, and my dad, who was my, my anchor for everything, he was my go-to, um, he said, and I told you that I, we have always had dogs in my life. He said, maybe you miss your dog. I had left the dog back home because she got comfortable with the family dogs and it's better than her waiting for me to come home every day. I said to my dad, that's absurd. I can barely take care of myself, let alone a dog. Next Sunday, I had this great idea and you'll appreciate this as a dad. I had this great idea. I woke up, I said, I should adopt a dog. Next day I had a dog. But my dad was right. Uh-huh. Missed my dog. Go adopt one. And to this day, like that dog has saved my life until I was able to really get things under control. So I can completely relate to your suggestion of um, a recovering addict. Uh, get something to occupy your mind, especially something that will lick your face when you come home every day. Right. Right. In fact, Jacob um, would take Cooper to work with him. So it was pretty much 24-7 these two were. And... Um, yeah, they, they they had a bond that was unbreakable. Tell me about the battle that Jacob lost and when that began. So, first of all, when Jacob was born and small, we kept joking that he's probably going to be a minister because he could not tell a lie. Even though his sisters <laughs> would try to get him into things, he, he, he would always tell the truth. And then once puberty hit, um, he got a little more, I would say, like, isolating himself, um, depression somewhat, anxiety, uh, settled in. And, you know, and at that time we tried to get him to see psychiatrists, psychologists, but typical teenager, he would balk at that and, you know, this is stupid. Why do I have to do this and that? Um, once he graduated from high school and attending university, he moved out on his own and that's when we discovered he was self-medicating himself. That's Did he ever get a, a diagnosis or did you just see these signs? Just saw the signs. Um, however, with HIPAA, mm-hmm. after he had passed away, we were able to get some of his medical records. Mm-hmm. And he was diagnosed with anxiety, um, depression, mm-hmm. and 
I, I don't know for sure, but I'm almost thinking edge of bipolar. Sure. Yeah, it and, sounds like it. You know, and it, it's mental health is mental. It's real. How how did you know? Because what years are we talking? It was like mid-2000s, maybe? 2017. Oh, it was then. Okay. Yep. So we had really, uh, we really kicked the mental health can at that point. I remember when in the 2000s, when I was chasing my diagnosis, like I didn't care about the stigma. I just wanted to know like why I felt like crap. Um, and I never, I don't begrudge any, anybody that I went to that couldn't help me because we were basically still in the dark ages of mental health in 2008. Um, so thank you for addressing that with him and being an alert father and, right. and not dismissing it. You know, and, and, I should back up. 2017 is when we found out Jacob was doing drugs. Got it. Oh yeah, no, my. You, but the met or the um, psychologist, concerned. right? It was while he was even in high school. He graduated in 2013. So, like you said, you know, the early 2010 mm-hmm. in the teens, we were trying to get him to, but he he would just fight it, and then as a parent, you get tired of fighting the battle sure. at times. Thank you, because many people in that position at that time would not have been aware of the mental health issues. They might have just said, it's my kid being an indignant teenager. And, and we question that ourselves, yeah. too. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It, it is. It's it, And maybe with Jacob fighting us all the way on it most of the time, maybe we gave up on him. And, you know, thinking, well, he is a, a indignant teenager and... We'll figure this out. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just uh, the shoulda, coulda, woulda's, but you can't dwell on those. It's hard not to, but, sure. but you can't. Um, so if we can help anyone else not to end up the way Jacob did, then that makes us feel that his death is, it had meaning. Sure. And I think we, I, I say this till I am blue in the face um, and I saw it. Unfortunately, early on, three years ago in, in the pandemic, I saw everybody who was broken from being isolated and out of their routines. And I, I saw this emerging that the one positive is that a lot, lot less people are going to just scoff at mental health. Like now you get it. Like now you understand what the difference between being depressed and down and depression or being anxious because you weren't prepared for something and like where anxiety has a hold of you and you cannot move and you're curled up in the shower and a lot of those people have sought help yeah you know jacob did um it was probably once we found out about his addiction he did seek out at utmc a psychologist the kobacker center yes and um psychologist psychiatrist and really had a good connection with his therapist, then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Then there were no inpatient visits. It was all done tele. Yeah. And it that's just wasn't the same. I mean, he, he did do them, but I, I think the face-to-face human mm-hmm. really helped him versus the tele um, and conferences. The... The weird way of the world is he needed to be with somebody. And there are so many people now who could have gone down the same path where we're traveling that path that Jake was, but that they could do telehealth, they're alive now. It, it's a fascinating dichotomy. Obviously, no one else has ever lived through this. Hopefully, no one ever will. Right. These last three years and how it helped, it hurt so many people um, almost evenly. Yeah, it's... Um 
it, it's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Um, but we know that his therapist, his therapist, when he found out that uh, Jacob had passed, was shocked himself because Jacob was doing so well. Mm-hmm. At least we thought. You thought it. Uh, right. I, in the same way we were talking about the, the horrors of mass shooting off the air, in the same ways that, like in the movies, I had no idea my neighbor was carving up squirrels in his basement. I look at the inverse of that, where that's a sociopath. And uh, people like myself um, and, and Jacob and others, um, they have that same ability to hide how dark things are within them, even from trained people like psychologists. That's why anybody that uh, has any guilt over not being able to save a friend, I do my best to assuage that because we're really good at hiding the stuff. You know, and I, I can't imagine... You know, I think I'll probably be diagnosed with stuff too, but to have to live that way twenty four seven, it's yeah. just you know. And and I I think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but you hide it because you don't want to hurt the people you love. You don't want them to worry, but yet it's still there. Yeah. You know, as far as like Jacob's addiction, I nobody sets out to be. They don't. An addict, an alcoholic, or to have mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think the hurt that they see that that has caused from that, I don't want to say caused by them because it's, it's their brain. It's not mm-hmm. them. The hurt that they cause other people just probably makes it bottled up even more inside them. They can't control themselves. The, the brain has taken over. And like I always tell kids or whoever, you break your leg, your brain can be broken too. We can fix your leg. We're working on fixing your brain. It's not as accurate because we can't x-ray it like a leg, but we're getting there. And, and years ago, society, I mean, you would say you have heart condition, you have cancer, and it's, oh, you poor thing. Mm-hmm. Someone say mental health, get over it. Yeah, you know, and you just and thank God we are today where we are with mental health. I mean, it's again, it's, it's out front in the light. It's the silver lining of COVID. It, it's so good when people come to me, and I've gotten dozens of these over the last handful of years, and they've heeded what I've said here on the radio show or wherever our Nami Walk is this coming Saturday. I mean, I talk about this stuff like people talk about their rumors and gossip. I look at it as like my superpower because I always just wanted to feel better and I share my stuff so that someone else doesn't have to. They can take some of my tips and maybe get to wherever. Now, when people ask me to see somebody, I'm like, uh, I'm excited for this. I'm so glad you're ready to take that step, but you might have to wait six weeks because the mental health professionals are so backed up because so many people have sought help. It's, again, another double-edged sword. Exactly. Yeah, you're so right. Um, So, Jacob was self-medicating, if you're okay with it, and I think that you are. How how messy did this get? With Was it drugs, alcohol? It was, it Where was, was drugs. It? Um, what actually took Jacob was an overdose of fentanyl. Okay. Um, so, in 2017, Jacob was involved in a car accident, and he had had one previous, which, looking back, I, I don't think it was drug-related, I think it was just not paying attention and rear-ended someone, um, totaled his car, and probably about a month later, he 
called me at work, no, text. He did a group text with my wife and I and said, um, I was in an accident yesterday and I think I totaled my car. And so, hothead me at times, you know, guy who texts back, you know, you got, he goes, I will take care of it. I said, you bet your butt you're going to take care of it. I can't have you on my insurance anymore. You, get, you got to man up and do this. And then my wife is commenting, and basically he, he said, I wish I would have been killed in the car accident. Mm. And I said, man up. That's the baby way out. You know, take care of this. Mm-hmm. And so then the text quit. And that night my wife and I came home and she said, should we go over to Jacob's apartment? Because the text quit. I said, he's just PO'd at us. He'll be fine. And she said, no, I think we need to go. Well, good thing we went because Jacob was higher than a kite. Um, in fact, I didn't even see him there. He was laying on these like bar stools along by his table. Finally convinced him to go to behavioral health over at St. Charles. Fighting us, mm-hmm. but convinced him. Um, they were not going to keep him because he was he had the right frame of mind. He could check himself out. But when my wife, I dropped him off at the emergency room. When we took him there, she said, you know, car accident, possible overdose. And this nurse pulled her aside and said, no, what you want to do is say, possible overdose, car accident. She said, my daughter, I'm, I have the same thing. This way we can get him in. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, the doctors assessed him and said, he wants to go home. We, we can't keep him. Yeah. And so thank God my other two daughters were there looking through the text and said, he wanted to die. Can't we use that as a suicide? And so they, they green card or whatever they call it, pink slip pink, them. Pink slip. Yeah. Three days. Well, it didn't quite last three days. And, you know, they said, well, we're ready to go. And we didn't know what to do. We weren't prepared. Um, in that meantime, we were calling different rehabs. And there was one in Michigan that um, said, you know, we'll come in and take him. We'll do like the intervention on TV. We'll haul him away. And your insurance should cover it. Well, the next day they said, well, your insurance isn't going to cover it, but it's only $40,000. And we can finance it for you. And it's like, my wife was ready to cash in our 401s or whatever sure. to do we'll it. do anything for your kid. You're going to do it. And someone said Glen Bay, which um, we did. We went to Glen Bay. They took him 30 days inpatient. You go there, you think, first of all, we were naive about drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, you think, well, we're taking our kid to Glen Bay 30 days. They'll rehab him. He'll get out. We'll live our life like we knew it. He'll be good. But that's not the case. It's probably, I don't know statistics all that well, but I'd say probably at least 95% that's not the case. Sure. Um, they always say relapse is a part of recovery. And mm-hmm. in groups, I, I always questioned as far as saying that, are we just giving them a green card to relapse? But I don't have that that brain to fight it 24 seven. So they said, you'll never know what it's like. Yeah. And so it's not fair to say that. Um, so relapse is part of recovery. I mean, Jacob did relapse maybe once before. And it's funny. Um, we always knew when he was doing something, he shouldn't have been. And as a parent, when they come home, you look at their face, you can tell, 
Yeah, he's not sweating. Good. His eyes are good. His voice is good. And you go, we made it through another day. Yeah. The next day you do the same thing. And a lot of times, you know, my wife and I, we could be getting ready in the morning brushing our teeth. And she'd say, did you see Jacob last night? What do you think? And so then we, were, we got right on it in that. So the week he died, um, he was over quite a bit with Cooper. And I noticed things weren't sweaty you know he was sweaty a little bit and it was august though probably hot august, right right and he was sniffing you know a lot he had allergies yeah and we'd say jacob no no back up we didn't say jacob i he worked with me at the the funeral home and i that wednesday i said jacob are you doing something you shouldn't be doing we've been down this path before we can't help you if you don't tell us I'm fine. I'm fine. It's mm. allergies, you know, and it's just allergies. And he did have allergies. And so um, that Friday, he was late coming into work a few days that week. And so I, I called him that Friday, and it was like 930, and he's supposed to be in at 830. And I said, Jacob, where the heck are you? And I could tell he just woke up. And he said, I'll get up, and I'll come in. And I, and I said, no. Keep your butt at home today. Um, I don't want you in the office. You got to take this job serious. They're giving you an opportunity. And he said, "Oh, okay. Well, if that's what you want." So then the guilt parent sinks in mm. after you call him. And I knew he needed money for rent, money for car. So I called him back and said, "If you want to come back into work, you know that's up to you. But you need to straighten up." He said, "Okay, I'll be in shortly." And then so um, it was probably. Just a few minutes later, he he texts and he said, I think I'll take you up on your offer. I will take today off and I will be good as new on Monday, which he always had that, you know, for most addicts or whatever, he could always bring himself out of it. So I, I don't know what that's all about. Mm -hmm. And so he said he would be good as new on Friday. And I said, OK, if you need anything, get a hold of us. Um, I will check in with you, text you. And, you know, we'll go from there. And I, I didn't say anything to my wife about this. I thought, why worry her? She's sure. at work. And so then um, I always get choked up on this. But the last text I got from him just a few minutes later was, thanks for being patient with me, Dad. And that was it. Um, so then that later that day, I kept trying and calling him and no answer, which was not uncommon. Um, not answering the text, not uncommon. And so my wife and my other daughter was going shopping for our other daughter's baby shower. And so I thought, well, I'm going to drive over to his apartment complex. And so I get there. His car's there. So I thought, well, is he out with his friends? And get to the door, and I could hear Cooper running from mm. the bedroom to the front door. And if Jacob wasn't in there, Cooper would have been kenneled. So I knew Jacob was in there, you know. Um, called the Northwood police, which were great. And the end of the story is Jacob overdosed in his bedroom. Um, you found him? They would not let us in the room. So basically... The, po the police? The police, yeah. And, and, and I get that. It's it's considered a crime scene, um, you know, and so sure. the coroner has to come. Um, you know, they did call the paramedics... And they didn't come in with their lights going mm. on, so we're thinking. And truthfully, Eric, I think in my heart of hearts, 
because someone asked me, well, why didn't you kick the door down? I didn't even think of that. Right. I didn't even think of Narcan. I think I knew he was gone. And so that, that stuff all left. I mean, I didn't think of it. Did Was there a part of you that y- you always knew? It sounds like you always knew this was possible. You do. And and in some way, and, and it doesn't sound like there were a lot of signs that the weeks leading up to this, other than the, the sweat from the August and the allergies, um, it sounds like you had cataloged somewhere in the back of your head, like you, you were preparing yourself for this day. You know, and I, I think any parent or any family of a addict or an alcoholic always knows that that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the back of your head, but when you think about it, you shove it further back in your head. And uh, with my career, I see it a lot. And I always know or knew that that could be my son. And and I would always tell Jacob, I said, I don't want to see you in the embalming room. Mm. And um, hoping that that would scare him a little bit. Yeah. Um, but again... That brain, I mean... It's not working right. Exactly. It's not processing... You know, and addicts, mental health, they're good people. Yeah. They're not... They're not throwaways. They're good people who are trying Mm -hmm. their best. And some make it... You're living proof of that, right, Eric? I mean, and, and some don't. I'll tell you... The thing that arguably saved my life in the outset of uh, my diagnosis was I, I, I can't find the book and it, it drives me nuts. I read somewhere in a book, I, I always think that there's two kinds of people that want to take their lives. Uh, the ones that think they're burdens to other people and people like me and it sounds like Jacob, like I want to go to bed and not wake up tomorrow. Just mm-hmm. the, I want the hopelessness to end, the, the numbness to end. Not numbness from alcohol or anything, right. but like the inability to feel anything, the apathy. That was me. Um, I read somewhere early on and said, if you take your life, wherever you go, who knows? But the people that you leave behind, regardless of how much you think you're a burden on them or not, they will be, I say, the emotional shrapnel that will fly. You can't imagine the devastation. Right. So every time I had those thoughts, I would think of my dad. I told you it was my anchor. Um, As we got into the middle of the 2010s, it was was my dog, Diddy. I'd look Mm -hmm. over and go... If you weren't here and I didn't have to take care of you or also being a, a dog person, having people think I took my life and I let you eat your own shit for a whole week, uh-huh. I would look like quite a hypocrite. Um, knowing that I would hurt others has kept me around. There was one time, 2016, 17, 18, um, this is the one of all the times that stays with me. Every, I talk to my dad every day, still do. And he could hear the apathy in my voice. And there was nothing wrong in my life. I was in between jobs, but nothing bad at all. Um, and I, for the, how many ever days in a row, I'd say, Dad, I just, I'm, not, I'm not feeling good. And he knows what that means. Um, not doing my normal things, whatever it might be. And I could hear him say something along the lines of like, what can I do? And it wasn't like, what you said, I'll, my dad would write me a check like this. I can call him right now and he'll write me a check. But it was the more horrified kind. He could sense that if something went the wrong way, I was going to make my first attempt. Mm-hmm. And I also, I, I cataloged that. And I put that, what can I do away? And I think of that and I try to share that because I never want him 
to feel like that ever again. And even more so, you got to talk about all these dichotomies. You had to watch your son go through all this. My dad and the rest of my family, which is not much, 500 miles away. So I could hear how helpless he felt because he couldn't do anything. If I would have run my car into something, it would have taken him eight hours to get here. Right. Um, and I kind of resigned myself, no matter how dark things got or, or whatever. Like, I cannot put him through that ever again or anybody else. So, um, yeah. yeah. You're, you're lucky you have that because oh, yeah. as far as... Again, I'm I'm not medical, but I, I think the brain, probably everybody is capable of it, suicide. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's just that we are lucky enough that we've never got to that dark, dark spot where the blinders are on. And like you said, I'm a burden or I just want this feeling to go away. Mm-hmm. And luckily enough for you that you were able to think it to call your dad that that again that thing i learned you. when i was when i was just a kid learning if you do this you hurt other people and how that yeah. became like a commandment for me and to your point i also am not medical or a scientist but i i do know that and this is how i start a lot of my talks for a quarter of a million years or however long we have been standing up straight and and been something human um we have had there's one thing that 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 is with us from all the way back then don't die stay alive whether it's here you piss somebody off at a bar and they want to whoop your ass uh don't do something stupid don't drive drunk to back then it's uh the other tribe wants to kill me these animals are gonna stay alive. alive and if your brain is telling you something otherwise it's not working correctly like you cannot run from your dna um and our DNA says you have to stay alive at all costs. And if it's telling you that you need to take your life, you need to take your ass somewhere where we get some help. And thankfully, we have more help than ever before. Exactly. It's, yeah. I have a question, and thank you. How many times do you think you've told this Jake story now? I don't know, but it's always it's always fresh. Yeah, it, it'll never not be. You know, uh, thank- and, and, and thank you. I mean, talking about it keeps Jacob's name out there. Sure. And as a parent, that's what you want. One kind of, I have two questions. That I'm pretty sure you haven't been asked before. Um, with all, and please look up uh, Jake and Cooper's dog park. You'll find it everywhere. Open soon. A lot of great news stories. Thanks for. This is the nice thing about not doing a news story. The podcast we can ramble, right? Right. And get this into is, the nuance. This is the first. This is this is pretty easy. Yeah. Well, you make it easy. Is is there any part of you that feels relief because Jake is not in pain anymore? Or have you not gotten to that point? I, no, no. It, okay. There, there is a relief, um, and and I don't. You know, it's a relief that he's no longer struggling. Yeah. Is there a relief that he's gone? No, but the relief that he's no longer struggling, that we, I would say, my wife and I both, are relieved on that part. You know, would we liked one more day, one more hug? You bet. It's not an equal trade, but you described how um, you and your wife would wake up every day. Did you, or did you talk to him? You talked to him. What did he look like? Like that's gone, right? And it's impossible to ask, even within yourself, 
would I make the trade to have my loved one back, but knowing that kind of anguish comes with it because it affects you. And it can, that's why what's, what, what's so great about NAMI, they have family groups um, so that a parent can look at another parent and, and sympathize. But that's, that's a lot. That's what really, I think, saved us. I, I didn't want to go to the groups at all when we first, you know, and like I said before, as a parent, and maybe as a dad, you're supposed to protect your family. And with this, you feel like you didn't. You, were you screwed up? Where'd I go wrong? Right. And so we would, so Jane finally talked me into going to groups. Um, we would go to, across town. We'd go to West Toledo. So nobody, no neighbors saw you. But what you do is you meet everybody in Oregon and West Toledo and probably West Toledo's mm. over in Oregon. But but then you, you realize that there are other people going through this. Yeah. We're not. We're not unicorns. I mean, we don't have a horn sticking out of our head. It's we're just everyday people that was dealt this, and like I said, it doesn't mean they're bad. But talking amongst, like you said, other parents, um, even other addicts would be there, alcohol and alcoholics, and they would talk about their experiences. I, I told Jacob that when we'd come home, it kind of gave us the balls to say no at times. And in these groups, they always say, you know, the family and the survivors, they're the sick ones because mm. when the, the addict or whatever is doing their thing, they don't have a care in the world. Right. They can't feel anything. They're right. high. They're We're drunk. the ones worrying. We're the ones thinking about tomorrow. We're the ones, where are they? Um, and thank God we, we didn't have that. As far as Jane and I were blessed that we knew where Jacob was. Mm -hmm. There's so many parents or family members that don't know where they are out looking for him and don't find him for a while when when Jacob you know he might have we don't know exactly when he passed away my last text came in like at 11:30 this was six o'clock when I was there so we know he might have been alone for five hours mm -hmm. not alone because Cooper was there Cooper mm -hmm. would not let the police Cooper's a big baby but his bark is kind of like and so when they found him um, the, the police ended up kicking the door down, and Cooper wouldn't let him in the bedroom. Just his bark. The cops didn't really want to take their chance. Sure. And so they asked my wife to come into just the living room area and call Cooper. Cooper would not leave Jacob. And so then they said, you guys just go downstairs, and somehow Cooper came out. And so Cooper was, you know, right there till the end with them. And so they had a good bond. Last last question. Um, I, you work at a funeral home. Yes, I do. What do you, what do, you do there? I'm a funeral director and embalmer. Where we're at? Let's do some plugs. Sure. I go to Minor and Pavley Funeral Home in Oregon, Ohio, and we have one in Millbury. How has how did doing what you do make this worse or better or easier for you, knowing that you? You are with the dead and their families for what you do for a living. It, it didn't make it easier. I, I think what it did was it made Jacob's service more special. I, you know, if you do something day in and day out, you know what you like and what you don't like mm -hmm. and what, what's going to really be good. And so... Um, Jane and I were not originally from the Toledo area. Where are you from? 
defiance, you know, just 60 miles, 65 miles west, southwest. And so we we thought, and Jacob didn't have many friends. The friends he had were close, and he kept them close to his heart, and they supported him. Um, so we thought, do we need a f- full day of visitation? Do we have everything in one day? Um, are we going to be sitting in the funeral home twiddling our thumbs because nobody's showing up? Mm-hmm. And so my colleagues said, no, you need a full day of visitation. So we went two to eight. And we have two locations. I'm primarily manager at the, our Oregon location. So they said, you need it at our building in Millbury. It's a new, newer facility and larger because you don't want to come here every day. And I, I thought, that didn't matter. I couldn't do that. I mean, that's not going to bother me. And I could never understand when people would say, I can't come into the funeral home because we had the family there and my husband, my wife was in that room. I just can't come. And I kept thinking to myself back then, it's just a building. Why, why would you even mm-hmm. let that stop you? So anyhow, fast forward. Um, visitation. It started probably, people started coming about 1.30. And it lasted, I think the last one finished up at 9. People waited in line two and a half hours. Um, the memorial contributions, we didn't know what to do with them. We thought, do we do sober living? Do we do rehab? Do we do some type of mental health? Um, so we had the checks made out to us till we decided what would be the best to memorialize Jake. And that totaled $10,000, which is, you know, unbelievable. That's really good peanut butter for Cooper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, he doesn't get it. <laughs> um, so that's what we started with the dog park. Yeah. But then going back to that story about having it at our other location, it was probably, I got back to work maybe four or five weeks later. I had a family to meet out at our Woodville Road location. I drove out there, didn't think anything of it, you know, went and turned on lights got into that chapel, flipped the lights on, and it was like a wrecking ball hit me in the gut. I get it now. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm okay with it now, but that first, it, I need to apologize to all those people that I thought, you know, why can't you do that? Yeah. It's a kick. Um, Thank you for taking maybe one of the worst experiences any human can go through and, and turning it into the, the positive that you did. And I, um, the way you talk about this, your attitude, your charisma, uh, please keep telling this story because I think it can give a lot of people so much hope. And um, I received a couple of weeks ago, a mental health advocate of the year award from uh, Luke's County mental health recovery services board. And I had, put in a speech. I did apologize to my dad for being a dick of a kid when I was 13. Aren't we all though? (laughs) (laughs) He came out. My friends made him come out uh, to see it. And I had noticed in the last year as I'm doing my stuff or so, people would say, you know, you know, you're like what you do is like it's saving lives or, you know, you probably save some lives. And I'm pretty humble, generally speaking, but I'm also very pragmatic and black and white. And I would tell these people like, damn right. I know. Like I, I, that's why I do this stuff to save the lives or to get people from going down past it. So yeah, I do. I do <clears throat> know that I save lives and you will as well by continuing to share all this. So one, one thing I wanted to say real quick, please. Um, it, it is a dog park and Jacob's always thing. He would always say, it's okay to be bougie, but you cannot be judgy. Okay. And so, um, Jacob, 
liked nice things. He couldn't afford nice things, but he would find them online, what, whatever. What did my dad, uh, wine taste on a beer budget? Yeah, that was Jacob. And so um, it's a dog park. It's going to be a very nice dog park. It's going to be a bougie dog park, but it's going to be geared more for mental health. Um, there are going to be mental health things all throughout the dog park. So so if somebody's having a bad day, they might go up and just read a peace poll that will say, be kind, or you are important. Um, there's this one plaque that's on a bench that someone bought. It's something about having a rough day. Um, put your hand over your heart. Feel that. You have heart, or it's a heartbeat. You have purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's going to, that's going to be scattered throughout the park. Um, there will be signs that Doug is going to take pictures of local dogs, local people, and they'll all have um, one that I'm thinking of is, it's been on Facebook. Um, I reached for a helping hand and I found a paw. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's going to be that. So it is going to be a nice dog park, but it's going to be geared for mental health. I love that. And this has been on my radar. I, I think you guys popped into the news maybe last summer. Yeah, when we first did the uncovering of the coming soon sign. Yeah, I had heard about that. And obviously dogs, yes, and and what the reason was behind this. So I kept an eye on it. And then I had seen months later that Doug had gotten involved. And Doug and I are very much two peas in a pod. Um, And I know he has, he is in recovery as well. Right. Um, So, yeah, when Doug ramped this thing up, I, I guess back late winter here of this year, I was excited um, to hop on. And again, anything that we can add to Oregon. Right. We'll, we'll get that target one day. Thanks. Uh, thank you for all. This is, this is beautiful. Uh, obviously, it should go without saying, but anything I can ever do to help you, I will call on you um, in a lot of the roles that I have. I'm sure my friends at the Lucas County Suicide Prevention Coalition would like to sink their teeth in the U. We would lo- love to. Awesome. It's The more we talk about it, the more help we can help.